Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast. I'm your host, John Puma from the Sake Notes. I'm the administrator over at the Internet Sake Discord, and I'm I'm the local sake nerd. No argument here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I am your host, Timothy Sullivan. I am a sake samurai, sake educator, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be here tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. Yeah, so, That's right. so John, what, what have you been up to this week? Have you had any sake adventures out there in the world? <laughs> um, I've been... I've got a situation right now where I've, my fridge has a lot of sake in it. Oh, that's a good so, situation to be in. Yeah, so yeah, it is. It is a good situation. So I'm trying to have as many sake adventures in the house mm. as I can to try and uh, pare down the uh, the existing stock. But, if you, you know, this, if you need any help paring down, if, just give me a <laughs> ring, give me a call, I'll come over. Come on down, <laughs> Timothy Sullivan. Well, well, I will show you the couch wherein Ooh. I do my sipping. Yes, the famous couch. <laughs> the famous couch. There's a certain amount of reclining Ooh. that needs to happen for optimal sipping, I have found. Yes. Well, that, uh, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, lot of that fun. sounds wonderful. Um, so. I like to see the, the dedicated, uh, the Puma sake fridge. Uh, Michelle likes to call it the party fridge. <laughs> So that's great. Take from that with your will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, how about you? Uh, well, fall is creeping in and it is getting colder every day and I am loving it. I am ready to look at the leaves change color and have some warm sake and put my sweater and my scarf on. I just, I love the autumn. It's my favorite season. So I'm really happy this mm. time of year. Yeah, I like the autumn as well uh, because I kind of I kind of like, like the brisk air. It's kind of nice. It's nice and comfortable. Put a coat on. It's 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 fun. It's you know, I know a lot of people get a little they they miss they already start missing the summertime. But I'm no, no. I like spring and fall. Those are my seasons. Same here. All right. Well, we can talk about the cold temperatures, and that makes me think of one prefecture in particular. Uh, we've talked about a few prefectures and what their sake specialties are, but I thought it might be fun today to take another look, uh, do a profile of mm -hmm. a prefecture, and this is an interesting one. It is a landlocked prefecture. That means no access to the ocean on any side. Do you, I didn't know they had those in they Japan. They do, yes. <laughs> and we are talking about Nagano Prefecture. Yeah. By the way, for the record, guys, I do know there are landlocked prefectures <laughs> in Japan. Don't write in about that. <laughs> so I think Nagano, when any American hears the word Nagano, there's probably one thing they're going to think of, right? Yes. What's that? The Olympics. The Olympics. Yes. 1998 Winter Olympics were in Nagano. And I was just a small child back then, so I barely remember it. Wah, wah. Not true. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> I actually barely remember because <laughs> I was a little young I at don't, that point. I, also, not overwhelmingly interested in the Winter Olympics back when I was uh, 10 or whatever, however old I was. Yeah, I, I think the same with me. I don't think I was that interested in the Winter Olympics, but it is a big deal when that happens. And Nagano is still famous to this day for hosting the 98 Winter Olympics. 
And there's there's a few other things about Nagano that are, I think people would know if they saw the picture. Um, have you ever heard mm-hmm. of the snow monkeys that go in the the onsen? <laughs> oh, that's like that was a when we were researching going to Japan for the first time yes. ever. That was like one of the first like, wait, can we do that? And you know, in real life. I find, I don't I would not want to do that. That seems a little terrifying to me. Mm. To uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to go and see wildlife that is not, um, you know, that's free to roam, <laughs> and it will bother them while they're having it while they're having a bath. That just seems rude. For our listeners who may not have seen, you can check out the show notes for the pictures of the famous snow monkeys. But there is a park in Nagano that has a natural hot spring or an onsen, and the macaque monkeys which is, I think, the largest monkey in Japan. They climb down the mountain, and they get into the onsen, and they kind of relax there. And it's a very famous picture that they use for tourism, as you said. Oh, yes, it is. Also, these monkeys look like absolute legends. They are just... (laughs) They're laying... They're just, like, hanging out. They are having the time of their lives. You kind of get jealous. You're like, man, when I relax, I am not as relaxed as these monkeys. Yeah, but you know what I heard that kind of destroyed it for me forever? There, There's a very strict pecking order in macaque society. So there's uh-huh. only a certain class of monkey in the group that is allowed to get into mm-hmm. the onsen. So if mm-hmm. you're a lower ranking monkey in the pecking order, you have to shiver off to the side. And it's like not equitable or fair at all. It is survival of the fittest and it is not a good way to run the onsen i don't think <laughs> well I just, remember remember tim in starfleet we have to respect the customs yes. of other races <laughs> it's the prime directive in nagano i know <laughs> but yeah from from my so, so wait so when i when i called them like absolute legends for being in the pool it was literally like the best of the best that got to be in the yes. pool <laughs> well it's the it's the the dominant monkeys get to be in the pool and the the monkeys that aren't in charge of the pack, they, they have to shiver on the side. So I always I always feel sorry for those little monkeys on the side. I guess I guess I identify with the underdog. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they should just go and make their own pool. Yeah. So I've never <laughs> been to see the snow monkeys in Nagano and I think I think I'll be fine if I if I skip that on my next trip to Japan. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. Don't you don't wanna you don't wanna be in big monkeys pocket. Yeah. You wanna go and <laughs> you would find the, the uh <laughs> gotta find the um the, the underdog monkeys uh, someplace else and then visit them yes. wherever they may be yeah the equitable monkeys right so nagano is famous for the olympics and it's famous for the snow monkey park and it's also called the roof of japan have you ever heard that i have never in my life heard the term roof of japan i've heard kitchen of japan uh, that's Osaka. I've never heard of Roof of Japan. Why is it the Roof of Japan? Well, it has three mountain ranges that are 10,000 feet tall. So hmm. there is a wide range of mountains. There's the Hida Mountains, the Kiso Mountains, and the Akaishi Mountains. And they have peaks that are up to 10,000 feet tall. It's about 3,000 meters and these are some of the highest elevations in the country. And this is why Nagano is referred to as the roof of Japan. But there's a side effect of all these mountains, 
and that is they get snowed on, and then in the warmer months, that all melts. So Nagano is also super famous for the quality of its water. And at the foot of all these different mountains in the valleys and the plains, they have tremendous water quality, which of course is good for us and all of our interest in sake. Mm, yes, we do love mountain runoff water. Whenever we talk about sake and we talk about where water comes from, it's always a, uh, a big plus. It's like, oh, are there mountains nearby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of mountains in Japan. So I did some research and I looked up what the most famous food from Nagano is. Do you have any idea what it might be? Um, well, it's really cold there and mountainous. So I'm going to guess it is some sort of a strange mountain vegetable that I'm not <laughs> familiar with that you that is very warm. That's a good guess. And you can incorporate mountain vegetables into this dish, but soba noodles are actually the most famous food from Nagano, according to my research. I am listening. Every article I, I looked am. up, what's the Ooh. best, most famous food from Nagano? And everyone started with soba. And I think there's a soba where they take those mountain vegetables and they tempura them, they fry them, and you have those mm. with your soba. Uh, but I love, do you like soba? Oh, I am I'm a big soba fan. That is good, as am I. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And soba is good for you too. It's a buckwheat noodle and it's really healthy. Yeah. Now, how, how do you like your soba? I, you know, I'm one of those people who drinks iced coffee all year round. And I like cold <laughs> soba. Really? Yes. Wow. Well, um, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I will have hot no. soup soba, like a kakeage soba, a kake soba, like in the middle of the summer. I wow. don't care. Uh, I'm inside. I'm going to, you know, I'm protected from the elements. I want my soba. Yeah. <laughs> I am exactly the opposite. Now I'm finding I'm the yin to your yang, Puma. Now we know why. <laughs> except it's the, for our whole yamagata thing that's it's the it's different uh iced coffee versus hot coffee now we know yes i like iced coffee too yeah i just also just, like you hot just coffee. don't you don't drink it in the end of january like i do did did you have it is it was 41 degrees and i woke up this morning yeah. did you have an iced coffee today? i had a big iced coffee this morning <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right that that settles yep. it uh and you would have had cold soba with it. Yes. <laughs> okay. If I was in Nagano, I'd be having cold soba right now. <laughs> excellent. 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 Yeah. So, so what else did I have over there? We've got we've got the Olympics back in 1998, and and uh, for the record, guys, I was not like 10 years old. 1998. I was more closer to 20. <laughs> we have uh, snow monkeys who may or may not be assholes. <laughs> And no, there's no question about it. They are. <laughs> and we've got soba. Yes. And amazing water. Well, what else do we have? Let's talk about sake now. All right. Yeah. I like so sake too. So now that too. we've wet your appetite for all things Nagano, this is something that may shock you. Nagano has 79 sake breweries. Seriously? Yes. It is the second most breweries of any prefecture. And of course, John, you know what number one is, right? And Niigata. That's right. Niigata yeah. at uh, approximately 90 breweries. And Nagano comes in number two in number of sake breweries, 79. That's a lot. 79? Yeah. I had 
literally no idea. Yeah. I mean, Nagano. Yeah. So all of these, all of those mountains with all of that runoff, you put the brewery where the water is. And that's what they always say. Yep. That is what they say. <laughs> 79. Yes, 79 breweries. And there are other prefectures that are really well known for sake, of course. You mentioned a few of them just a moment ago. But Nagano is a little bit of, uh, I think, the underdog for being really well known for premium sake. You know, there's a few brands that I think are really well known outside of Japan from Nagano. And yeah, one that we've tasted on the show before is Kurosawa. Yes. They have a really famous Tokubetsu Junmai. Yes. I want to say that in the United States, Kurosawa is one of those sakes that you can get at a lot of stores that don't have large sake selections. If yeah. they've got uh, a few different varieties of sake, there's a really good chance that the Kurosawa will be one of them. Yeah, and it's been exported for a long time. Like That was around long before you and I got started drinking sake here in the States. So um, that is a really well-known brand from Nagano. And another brand is Maihime. So that's another brand that is exported. Yeah. I do want to say, though, the idea that there's 79 breweries that I've never heard of that might be really small, like mom-and-pop style breweries in Nagano, it really makes me want to go to Nagano yeah. and explore. It just seems like a like, like I would break my one brewery per trip rule for this concept. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's yeah. so interesting. And we've talked about so many other prefectures with all our different sakes that we've tasted. And I think that Nagano, again, is is the underdog and maybe a really good prefecture to dig into a little bit more. And so there is one one big guy over here, right? Yes, there's one brand that has been exporting for a long time, really well distributed and super well known from Nagano. Yes, there is. And that is a Miyazaka Jozo. But in in the United States, we know them for making one particular brand and Tim, what is that brand? That is Masumi. Masumi is a really well-known brand in the U.S., and it is a fabulous brewery. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Miyasaka Jozo. So this is a brewery that I've had the good fortune to visit a few times, and it was founded in 1662. Wow. So another really old brewery. Yeah. And they have two facilities. So the original brewery building is called the Suwa Brewery. And Suwa is the name of the town where the brewery is. And there's also a beautiful lake there. And when you mm -hmm. visit Lake Suwa, on a clear day, you can see the top of Mount Fuji across the lake. It is one of the most gorgeous views in Japan. Oh, wow. You have to have perfect, perfect weather to see that. But mm -hmm. it is like a clear shot right to Mount Fuji from the banks of Suwa Lake. Really beautiful. Have you ever had the privilege? I've seen it in pictures only. I've been oh, to okay. the spot where you're supposed to see it, but it's been cloudy the times I've gone there or just not, not clear enough. Oh, well. And the other facility that Masumi has is known as the Fujimi Brewery. 
and that is in the mountains. So we talked about the mountains of Nagano, and this yeah. brewery, the Fujimi facility, is the highest elevation brewery in Japan. Really? Yeah. It is at 3,200 feet. <laughs> That's, <whew. laughs> that is high up there. That is up there. It's some, you did some high altitude training when you work in their Koji room. Yeah, so the, the, the <laughs> Suwa Brewery was built in 1662, and the Fujimi Brewery in the mountains was built in 1982. Oh, <laughs> so wow. There's a so little... it's a, a babe. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to be tasting a sake from the Masumi brand today. And I want to give a shout out to the wonderful folks at Masumi. We have the president, uh, Naotaka Miyasaka, and his lovely wife, Kumi. And Kumi runs the gift shop at the oh, brewery. Wow. And it is one of the most beautifully curated shops that I've ever been to. So if you're looking for high-end glassware and all types of sake accoutrement to go with your masumi when you buy it, it is very elegant and very beautiful. She does a wonderful job with that with that store. I, I love that we got a glassware plug in this. <laughs> <laughs> and then also at the brewery is the uh, Mr. Miyasaka's son, Katsuhiko Miyasaka. So he's the next generation president and he's been working at the brewery. And then there's also our buddy Keith Norum, who is the overseas sales manager for Miyasaka Jozo. And he's an American guy who's been living in Nagano for years. And mm -hmm. I remember meeting him when I was first getting into sake. I met him at a restaurant event here in the States. And I was like, wow, you know, what this guy does is amazing. So Keith has been at this for a long time. And he is a wonderful ambassador for Nagano sake overseas. So that's the team we're dealing with. They're all fantastic people, and their brewery is so special. Um, they've made a wonderful sake that they've gone to great lengths to export. So we get to enjoy mm. it because of all their hard labor. So I'm so grateful for that. That's great. Now, uh, I guess apart from having two, count them, two breweries over in Nagano and exporting a, a very large amount of sake uh, and having wonderful glassware in their gift shop, what else is Miyazaka Jozo known for? Well, they are known for producing high-quality craft sake, absolutely. And their brand name is Masumi. And what does that mean? Well, Masumi is often translated as the mirror of truth. So there is mm. a mirror that is 1,100 years old. It's an ancient artifact in the Suwa Taisha Shinto Shrine. So the local Shinto Shrine in Suwa City has this 1,100-year-old metal mirror that is one of their uh -huh. treasures. And the Masumi Company has been donating sake to the Suwa Shrine for generations and generations. So they got permission to use the name of the mirror, the local treasure, for their sake. So Masumi no Kagami is the mirror of Masumi, and that means truth or transparency. So the brand name comes from this mirror local treasure of their town, and it means mirror of truth. Mm. So I had always known that uh, 
Masami was uh, the mirror of truth, but I didn't know there was an actual there mirror. There is a mirror. I didn't know there was a literal actual device that reflected things that exists in this town. That's very interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. So it's on display at a local museum, so you can actually go look in the mirror of truth. But when I first heard this name, I thought it was like, oh, in vino veritas, you know, like if you drink enough Masumi, you'll look in the mirror and tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? I like it. I like it a lot. This this mirror of truth, Tim, we, we have some, do we not? <laughs> we do. We yes. brought some Masumi sake. John, do you want to introduce us to the, the particular sake we picked up for today? Sure, sure. So this is the Masumi Okuden Kansukuri. Kansukuri is a way that refers to sake that's brewed at cold temperatures, kind of in the winter mm-hmm. months. The rice type of this Junmai is Hito Kokuchi, and also uh, Miyamanishiki. We, we've talked about Miyamanishiki before, but I think this might be the first time I've uttered Hito Gokuchi before. I hope I got it right, guys. And uh, the milling percentage is 70%, so that is... Prime Junmai, the sake meter value, the uh, rating of that dry to sweet is plus three. So again, just just a bit, just a tick higher than neutral. Um, and we normally don't talk about yeast too much here, but in this particular case, I think it's very important that we mention mm. that this sake uses yeast number seven. Now, Tim, why is this significant? This is a huge, huge, big deal. So Masumi, <laughs> the Miyasaka Jozo, is known as the discovery place of yeast number seven. Mm. So when yeasts were first being isolated and used for producing sake, they started numbering them. So the Brewing Society of Japan would kind of put a number on each yeast that was doing well, and they would distribute it. And in 1946, Masumi won all the top awards for the national sake appraisal and all the regional contests. And there were scientists at the Brewing Society of Japan who were like, what's going on at Masumi? Their sake is like off the hook this year. And they went there and they, <laughs> they isolated a new yeast variety at the brewery and they ended up releasing it to the country, to all the brewers, and they called it yeast number seven. And this yeast was literally a game changer in the world of sake. So one Mm. thing that Masumi is super famous for is at the site of discovery for this yeast number seven. This started to introduce those ginjo aromas to sake in a very prominent way, and it is still used today very widely in Japan. So yeast number seven Mm -hmm. is one of the seminal yeast used in the world of sake and it it comes from masumi interesting all right yeah one thing that the president mr miyasaka told me is that he often hears that people assume that yeast number seven is something that he can sell and that he has a patent for and he (laughs) rakes in all this money from yeast number seven but that is not true he was speaking at an event in New York, and I was listening to him. He said, "He said if I was selling yeast number seven all these years, I could have flown to New York today on a private jet 
but <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> so the, the yeast was taken and distributed to all the brewers. So it's not something that they own or control in any way, but they are very proud that they were the source of discovery for yeast number seven. <laughs> all those all those sweet number seven residuals that he's been denied. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this I, I think that this Masumi Okuden Junmai, I have heard this referred to as one of the flagship sakes of Masumi. Mm. It's their one all of right. their standard Junmai's, one of the fundamental sakes of their brewery that really defines their flavor and their taste. So I'm super excited to get into this and taste it. Great. I, I like that when we're doing an episode on Nagano, we're getting one of the flagship sakes from one of the largest breweries in Nagano. Yeah. So that's nice. All right. So are we ready to open up? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. That was quite a pop. So what do you think? Mm, looks nice and clear in the glass. I'm getting a, a slight amount of yellowing. Mm. Very, very slight. But it is clear, though. There's no haze or anything to it. All right, let's give it a smell. Mm. There's kind of a mochi rice aroma, I would say. Mm -hmm. It's uh, definitely ricey, but soft. Mm. It, it's an interesting aroma, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely ricey, but there is a, a almost a, a slightly candied mm. quality to some of what I'm getting on the nose. And mm. it's, it doesn't make any sense to say candied rice, but <laughs> there's a little bit of like yeah. almost like a sweetness on mm. the nose. Yeah. And mochi is one of those sweeter, sweeter rices, mm -hmm. you know, used often for dessert things. So that's why I was thinking like right about mochi rice, that sweeter style, kind of soft and chewy. Um, but really lovely aroma and it, it's pretty restrained as well right it's not super strong or right. super uh effusive in in the aromatics not at all yeah mm. yeah i agree with you there's something like a little bit of a, a preserved note or something a little concentrated in the aroma but primarily for me it's reading like uh soft rice maybe a little bit of preserved fruit uh, but mm -hmm. overall, soft, gentle, lightly ricey. I'm leaning a little more like I'm getting almost something a little bit almost earthy. Mm. Like that might be the way I'm interpreting the rice. No, I totally mm. understand what you're saying. There's a groundedness to this to this aroma. Yeah. It's uh, got a lot of dimension to it, but it's soft and gentle. All right, let's give it a taste. Mmm. Hello. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. The flavor is rich uh -huh. and smooth and yummy. It's like really good. Mm -hmm. So, oh gosh, really good. What it, do you think? I think the aroma made me think that it was going to be a lot more rice forward mm. or a lot more dominant in its rice and earthiness uh, that combined with perhaps that that 70 percent milling but there is so much more to this okay uh, and as soon as you taste it you're just like whoa there's there's just a lot going on and in, in, in a good way hmm it has a mm. it has a thickness to it as well 
Like there's a, there's a weight and a richness to the sake when it's on your palate. For me, the the aroma was a little bit soft and and light, a little ricey, a little earthy, like you said. That was a great description. And on the palate, it has a richness, and it's very smooth, almost velvety. Yeah, rich and smooth at the same time. Yeah. You usually don't get that. I think that when sake is rich, it usually smoothness is not really what they're thinking about. And, hmm. uh, and here you have them kind of doing both. I kind of like it. This seems like it would be very versatile in the mm. kitchen. And I think this would be very virtual, uh, virtual, very versatile uh, with temperature. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Can I warm this one up a little bit? I think you could definitely warm this one up. Mr. Mr. Ice Coffee Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes to my sake, I am not an, an ice, ice only on the rocks kind of person. I love warm sake. I am a huge fan of warm sake. And I think this would be great warmed up. It would make the texture even more velvety for sure. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about this finish? Hmm. For me, the finish lingers on my palate. When you have a dry Junmai sake, you know, from maybe from Niigata or something like that, it can be very crisp and kind of clean on the finish. And then it's gone. But for me, this has a richness to it that lingers and has a presence to it. It does stick around a little bit long. Um, not, not in a bad way. I do like that it's there. Mm. But it is... A very long tasting experience. Yeah. It's not just a sip and then you go through and then you're done. No, this this is lingering around. It's going to have an influence mm. on it's gonna have an influence on the next thing you eat, I think. It's got good presence, Which, it's got good mm-hmm. weight, delicious flavor. And I'm gonna make a bold statement here. I'm ready. This might be my Thanksgiving sake for twenty twenty one. What do you think about pairing this with Thanksgiving flavors? I can do that. You can do it? I think this will be, yeah. No, I can I, twist your arm? No, no, no. Are you inviting me over? Is that what's going on? <laughs> you have to bring the stuffing. Uh, I was going to bring the sake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this would work with like, well, I want to have this with some turkey. Yeah. I think this yeah. would be great with Thanksgiving flavors like uh, sweet potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes. and uh, Mashed sweet potatoes. Wait a oh. minute. <laughs> I love my mashed sweet potatoes. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had mashed sweet potatoes oh my before. Gosh, you're missing out. Yeah, I've I've warmed up to roasted sweet potatoes though. Uh, I was a hater. What? I was a sweet potato hater. I can't believe. But it. But I've come around. You should be very proud. Yes. Well, try <laughs> mashing them because it's one of my favorite Thanksgiving foods is the mashed potatoes. I love turkey and gravy, of course. But if you think about cranberry sauce, that is like a dried concentrated fruit and i think we're picking up on a little bit of that concentrated dried fruit flavor in this as well along Mm. with the rice and the savoriness really really good Ooh, all right yes i I think this is a sake that would be good for warming good serve chilled even good room temperature and in my mind first sip Admittedly, I'm in a Thanksgiving frame of mind right now. Clearly. It is the season. <laughs> but I, I thought, wow, this would really pair well with all those flavors. 
yeah, that was a nice little adventure. That was fun. So all our listeners out there, you got to look into Nagano. This could be the sleeper sake prefecture of 2021. So we want to get everyone drinking Nagano sake as much as possible. And if you have a chance, try this wonderful Masumi Okuden. It is delicious. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for tasting with me. It's fun as always. And I want to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. We really do hope that you're enjoying our show. Now, if you would like to show your support for Sake Revolution, the best way to help us out right now would be to back us on Patreon. Patreon's a service where you can sign up for a monthly subscription, and that money goes to help producing our show, editing, website hosting, and all the other costs that go into producing Sake Revolution. And you can go ahead and do that over at patreon.com slash sake revolution. Now, these are hard times, and if contributing in that manner isn't the best thing for you right now, Don't worry about it. Just by listening, you are also supporting us. When you tell your friends about it, when you leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, uh, when you subscribe, all of these things really help us out. Even the good vibes you send our way, we really do, uh, really do appreciate it. It makes us, it makes, uh, it makes getting up and doing this show every week uh, so worth it and so much fun. And we really do appreciate all of our patrons, all of our listeners, and all of those of you who help spread the word and leave us reviews. So appreciative. So thank you so much. And as always, if you would like to learn more about any of the topics or any of the sakes we talked about in our episode today, be sure to visit our website, sakerevolution.com. And there you can check out all the detailed show notes. And if you've ever wondered where we come up with our episode ideas, we solicit a lot of them from emails that we receive at feedback at sakerevolution.com. So when you've got questions, comments, ideas, we do listen and we do use them. So keep them coming. With that, I want to tell you all to please raise a glass. Remember to keep drinking sake and kampai!